conversation with Jenna. If this is your first time here, hey, I'm Jenna, and I'm so glad that you're joining me here today. A little disclaimer that you will hear in every episode is this. What I'm about to share with you are my personal thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I am not an expert, nor will everything that I say be factual. Please do your own research and think for yourself. As always, my hope is that my life experiences can help you in your life. So sit back and soak in the goodness. Let's jam. And I'm so excited that Nia is joining me here today, and we're going to be talking about trauma, suicide, and recovery. Um, she has an incredible life story, and I'm so, so, so grateful that she is here to share it with us. Okay, so I first want to start about how we met. Sure. Okay, so um, it was last summer. It was. I can't believe that it's been almost, well, it's been over, over a, year a year since we've even talked about this, or I even like met you at the pool. So Nia and I are neighbors, and I had no idea, and it was last summer, and it was like when I was going through a lot of stuff with my panic and anxiety, and I had decided that I wanted to start a podcast, and I wanted to do um, like an episode series called Talking to Strangers. But I have since changed my mind about that. But obviously, that's kind of like how I thought, oh, I should have Nia on the pod. Because I was at the pool, and she was at the pool too. And we just started talking about our lives. And then she started just telling me her whole life story. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm talking about when talking to strangers. Because I feel like sometimes you can just get in conversation with someone that you've never even met before. And then it just turns into this like amazing, wonderful experience. And so that's kind of how it happened. And so welcome. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, okay. So I first, uh, can you take me to your childhood? So I've already told the pod that we're talking about like trauma, suicide, and recovery. That's kind of the theme or the way that I kind of want this to go. Okay. Um, So I kind of want to start at the beginning. Okay. And so that's why I'm kind of interested in hearing about your childhood. Okay. Okay. Whatever you're comfortable sharing, I want to hear and we're dying to know. Sure. Okay. So um, my childhood was very tumultuous. Um, It started off pretty young. My parents got divorced when I was only two months old. Mm -hmm. So that right there, um, you know, was was an issue. Uh, My mom decided to move out of state with me immediately when I was two months old. Okay. So I was raised by my grandparents and some aunts and uncles and cousins and just anybody because my mom, after leaving my dad with a newborn, did not want anything to do with me. She didn't really want to raise Mm. a child. Mm -hmm. She just um, wanted to be gone. So um, I was kind of the family village kid. Wow. So I had to be raised by whoever had time for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was passed around a lot. Um, In the fourth grade, she dropped me off to spend the night. So there would be periodic times where my mom would get me back and or be in my life. So in fourth grade, she dropped me off at a friend's house one night to stay the night and didn't come and pick me up for three months. Wow. Thank goodness that family was gracious enough to just take me in as one of their own. And, and they did t- they like know that this was going to be happening? No, nobody knew that my mom was just going to take off. And did we try, I'm sure they tried to call her, well, like course. figure out like, Hey, where is she at? But like this was before cell phones okay. and tracking. And you have to yeah. remember this was back in the eighties okay, when there was barely technology. Yeah. So, um, of course, I mean, and so the guy had to take me to the house where my mom was renting the house from and boost me up through my window so that I could wow. pack a bag and have some of my things at his house. Um, while I stayed there. And was taken care of by these strange, this family just basically, I was homeless and they Mm -hmm. took me in and it was, so that's kind of how my life was early on. Um, My mom was in and out of my life. I was being raised by whoever would take me in, including complete strangers or people I met at school. Um, I was never stable for very long, if at all. And um, of course, growing up, that way you have a lot of trust issues and you have a lot of um, lack of developmental uh, issues when it comes to, you know, stability and socialization and all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So 
um, it was very, it was, it was a very trying thing, but I didn't know. I was just doing the best I could. So what has happened is I have gone into survival mode Yeah. and all I'm trying to do is survive day by day, um, by any means necessary because I was not getting the proper nurturing by what you're supposed to by your parents. My dad was not in my life. He lived in a different state and had by this time been remarried and had two more kids with okay. another woman. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a blue moon, he would call, I would say probably once every three years Wow. or so, give or take. So he wasn't really in my life. I did meet my brother and sister one time when I was um, pretty young and they were newborns because they're only like two years apart, so... Um, but other than that, I hadn't really met them. And then, uh, my mom, my, my dad didn't like my mom and, or thought my mom was, I was going to turn out like my mom, which was very irresponsible, very self-absorbed. So he didn't want me around his children. Mm -hmm. So I was kept from them and really didn't know them at all. We didn't meet until 2011. Wow. So we were all adults and we got together and finally did something, you know, to reunite as a family, mm-hmm. uh, as siblings. Um, but they're just my half. And so I still feel a little like I was an, I was pretty much an only child. Yeah. What was, can you tell me a little bit about that reunion? Like, was it happy? Was it sad? It was, was very happy. It was very um, overwhelming because I had never imagined meeting my brother and sister, you know. And they both have children. My brother has five children. And my, wow. My sister has two children. Wow, five. <laughs> so um, I got to meet all my nieces and nephews at one time. Um, that reunion went really, really well. Um, come to find out, though, my sister is in rehab for drug abuse, which is my dad is an alcoholic, which is why he was in and out of my life. So, um, he definitely left a scar on both of them as well. Their mom was much more hands-on and took care of them. They lived with her and her new husband. Okay. Uh, They called him dad. So they did get more of a um, structured environment growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived in California for most of their life with their mom and their stepdad. Um, so ironically though, neither one of them turned out to be very good citizens of society. Okay. Um, whether that is here or there, but yeah. it, it's ironic that they had a much more structured growing up and didn't have to fight for survival and neither one of them work. Um, they're both um, living off of others or homeless mm-hmm. or in rehab or addicted to drugs again or um, who knows. Wow. I don't have contact with them anymore okay. because of it. So we met and the reunion was great, but fast forward, what, 12 years and we don't, we don't have anything to do with each other because okay. of their, the way they turned out. Mm-hmm. I would much like to be in a relationship with them, but it's not possible. You can't have people like that in your life right. when you're trying to be a more responsible parent exactly. than your parent was, right. you know? Yeah. So, uh, so that was kind of the childhood. And then again, it was just being moved from place to place, um, uh, grandparent to grandparent, whether it be my, now my dad's mom is very in my life and raised me a little bit, um, but she couldn't help that her sons turned out to be alcohol. Both of them turned out to be raging alcoholics. Um, and so she did the best she could with me feeling bad for me because I didn't have a mom, you know? So, um, I got all the way through my school years. I did graduate. I was the first one in my, um, family on my dad's side to graduate high school. Wow. Yeah, I graduated high school. It was the first one on my dad's side. My grandma, my dad, nobody graduated high school. So I was literally the first brand to graduate high school. So that was a big accomplishment for me. And I thought I had done so well and was doing so good. And then I was thrown out into this big world 
and was pretty much told, so what? Yeah. You know, so I have um, then start struggling as a young adult because I don't have the tools to survive. Right. Because I'm still in survival mode for childlike qualities and didn't have adult qualities yet, but pretty much everybody was like done with me. Right. And I think too, like we rely on our parents to really teach us that. Right. Like school does, isn't going to really teach us that it's, it's up to the parents and yeah. So, I mean, I don't blame you. I I would say it's not your fault, right? That you didn't, you weren't equipped and didn't have the tools ready to be an adult and survive in this world. Right. So I struggled with work. Obviously I did get a job at the hospital um, that I was at for a few years, but then I decided to move to Colorado to be closer to my mom. Cause she had moved up there by this time. Cause I wanted to make it work. You mm-hmm. know, you always want to make it work with your mom. So I moved to Colorado and got a job up there, um, working in the same, um, department or the same company as my mom, not the same department. We were in different departments, but same company. And we tried to develop a relationship by this time. Um, she was not on drugs or anything at this time. She was doing pretty well, um, considering. She was holding down a job and was renting a place, and I was renting a place. And so we were doing okay, and this was my young, you know, early 20s. And then I met – so I was barely 21 when I met my now ex-husband. Okay. And then it's funny because you meet um, – people and they change your life yeah I know jeez that's why it's like so important like who you get in relationship with like who you marry or who you decide and you know I'm currently dating like dating you know on dating apps and stuff like trying to find a husband and I just think it's wild because now I'm 34 so I've lived through some things I've seen trauma. I've had trauma. I know of people who have trauma. And so now dating is very different. Like there's less things that you're willing to tolerate. Yep. And yes, like you have to make sure you're very careful about it. But then on the, but then on the flip side, I also know that divorce is an option. Like I know that marriage does not have to be permanent. Do I want that? No. But I also know that I have to be willing to give some, someone a chance to prove whether or not, right? Like, yeah, I can be married to them absolutely. or not. Does absolutely. that make sense? Like, yes. I feel like I can't be too afraid to commit to someone. But then on the other hand, you also need to watch out, you know? So yep. it's like just finding the right balance of the two. It really and is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Balance is definitely the key in what you can, what you're willing to put up with in a partner. Yeah. You know, there's certain traits, like if they leave their socks everywhere. Yeah. That's not life threatening to you or you know whatever you just get used that's something you learn to live with right um so I met my now ex-husband when I was and we got married pretty much right away which yeah looking back you know you're young I call it the young and dumb phase right we've all had those phases (laughs) (laughs) so my young and dumb phase I married my ex-husband when I was all of 21 and uh we actually stayed married for 17 years Mm. um it was a very tumultuous relationship however he was violent um we um went through some pretty rough patches so we met in Colorado Springs when he was stationed there in the military but he wasn't from there he was from South Carolina well when he got out of the military and was done with his time he wanted to move home and I followed him Mm -hmm. big mistake were you guys married at this time no oh okay but we were engaged okay but I followed him home Cause we'd only been together like three or four months or something. When oh, I, and you were engaged right away. Yes. Okay. So we got engaged after like three months and moved back to South Carolina where, and we lived with his grandparents and then we decided to just get married, which we didn't have a wedding or even justice of the peace. We just went and had somebody sign. We just had our work paperwork signed by a notary and we sent it and I mailed it into the state okay so we bought a house that same week wow and decided that that was what we needed to do and it was uh, on there for you it was a 1929 hat like it had been built you know in the 20s right it was so old but it was ours and we tried to make the best of it and so for the fruit the first few years 
the violence wasn't that bad, Mm -hmm. but it definitely started coming in. He would hold, pin me down, um, punch holes in the walls, things like that. Yeah. Then we got pregnant and had kids and, um, we had the twins first and then we had another baby a year later. So we added quite a bit of stress to our already stressful mm-hmm. life of trying to survive as young adults with an with our own home. Yeah. And then we added three kids in 16 months. So that really re- made us realize we were in a situation where we couldn't afford to live anymore. And so he was we were still young. Um so he decided to go back to college, so we moved to Georgia. Okay, and I put I worked two jobs, and put him through school where he graduated with an airframe and paraplant um, certificate or whatever, which allowed. So then we moved to Alabama. Okay, for him to work, and then that's when things got really bad. Okay, um, we bought a house, and just the I think just the um, anxiety of it all, the trying to survive now that we're adults and figure out, you know, what we're supposed to be really doing and trying to raise these kids and all the pressures of the world were just sitting on both of us and we took it out on each other, mostly him with me because I'm not, um, an aggressive person, but Mm -hmm. I am reactive. Mm -hmm. So, I um, would react to his situations of being violent. Um, so he did um, hurt me pretty bad. In 2009, he punched me in the mouth and broke my jaw. Wow. And then in 2010, he choked me almost to death. The only thing that stopped him was the phone rang. And so it jarred him. And he, um, wow. yeah, and he stopped. And I was able to get him off of me. And I was able to get away. Um we had friends that I told, you know, what was going on and I went and stayed with them. And then, um, after the 2009 incident is when I stayed with friends for a while and then he apologized and said he would never do it. You know, he felt terrible and he would never do that again. And so then things were good for a year. And then in 2010, when he choked me, you know, things. So then he moved out for like six weeks. Um, and I pretty much thought it was over then. But we got back together for the kid. You know, we kept the kids, the kids, the kids. That seems to be the theme is we were trying to do better than our parents did, which we were failing miserably. I also think, sorry to interrupt, but I also think like at some point I would say you did love him, right? Oh, I did. That's and, why I kept staying. Yeah, and like that's and like. you just think they're going to change. Right. And, and you believe their words. Right. And it's, again, it's also like such a interesting place to be in because again as I'm thinking about like dating or even getting married or you know um taking that next step with someone it's like you know the love is there and so at what point are you going to start to see reality and not just be in rose-colored glasses because say you love them or because the good times can be really good but then the bad times you know it's just a lot of excuses but I think but someone has to be you know, there either needs to be good community around you or have gone through the experience before to really see, hey, this is a serious red flag. You know what I mean? I yeah, need to get absolutely. out. Because absolutely. Because I, I think that we can be so caught up in the, oh, but I love him. Right? Well, that's or, exactly oh, what I was doing. Yeah. Yes, you are yeah. absolutely correct. So, but, it, but like, um, there is someone that I'm currently dating right now, and I really like this guy. Like, I really, really like him. I could, I'll say it like, I really think that we're, we could get married and, but, but again, I'm constantly thinking about, are there red flags? Is there something that I need to see that I'm not seeing that I need to get out? You know what I mean? And so it's just like so wild because if I hadn't gone through all the trauma had gone through or like for you, you, if you hadn't gone through all the trauma, like maybe you would be a lot quicker to pull the trigger. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Because my current boyfriend who is my fiance, uh, we, have been engaged for almost a year, has been begging me, thank you, has been begging me to get married, mm-hmm. and I won't set a date Yeah. Um, because of all of the past traumas and, and all of the tumultuous relationships and the red flags that I didn't see. Right. Um, 
because now I see red flags where there aren't any. So it's like, am I making this up? Like, yes. Oh, yes. And so there are a lot of times where, um, from the past relationship with my ex-husband and just all the things that we went through. So I finally decided, you know, that enough was enough. And I, I, it, I had to leave him. I mean, he got very, um, he got very verbally violent mm. and, um, the physical stopped, but the, you know, just the actions and he made, you know, he did horrible things during the divorce, like shutting the power off to the house mm. and, um, just did a whole bunch of things to make sure that the kids and I suffered. Wow. And to me, that's not somebody that's going to, um, have my best interest at heart and it you know all that stuff came out into the surface and so now in a relationship like you were saying like you're looking for somebody so the biggest thing I keep thinking in my you know in my current relationship which ironically enough I swore I never was going to be another I mean I spent 17 years with somebody who was very very wrong yeah so I did not think I would be in a relationship again Um, and this one hasn't exactly been perfect, right? but he's got my best interest at heart. He's never physically abused me. Yeah. He's never really verbally even said, I mean, you know, we've joked around. Of course. But no uh, relationship is going to be perfect. And I think that that's the mindset that a lot of people, right. Especially who have gone through trauma. They might have that mindset of, oh, well, it has to be perfect. I'm not going to tolerate even the slightest of anything. And it's like, well, hey, then you're never going to be in relationship with anybody because there are some things that you have to tolerate because people are imperfect and we make mistakes. Right. And everybody's their individual person. And no two people are the same. So you have to remember things like this is this individual's personality. Am I going to be able to put up with it? Yeah. Or is it something I can't deal with? Yeah. And I, and so for you and oh anybody, but you know, you just have to remember that this person is who they are and you're not going to change right. them. And you have to remember that through the, through the, the relationship or whatever you're going through with this person. And this doesn't even apply to, relationship boyfriend girlfriend things this can be um this can just be friendships jobs this can be job yeah sure Boss, jobs co-worker sure yes. any this can relate to anything you have to be able to remember that the person that you're in the relationship with whatever kind of relationship it is they're going to be who they are and you have to learn to navigate with them understand them hopefully they do the same for you yeah. and then you guys will have you know, an understanding and can communicate and get through things because things are going to come up. Yeah. And so you just have to keep that in the back of your mind at all times, especially when that person is at their worst, um, for whatever reason, they're having a bad day or a bad week or something tumultuous happened to them and they're acting it out. They're taking it out on you. Yeah. Um, very common is when somebody's had a bad day at work, they don't, you know, they clam up at work, but then they'll come home and bring it to you. Yeah. And so, um, you have to remember that they're not, it's not your fault. They're not taking it out on you. I mean, they are taking it out on you, but you, it's not your, it's not for you to deal with really. You can just support them mm. and make them realize that this is not, it's like not healthy behavior that did yeah. it to you. Right. It's not okay behavior, but you need to go and address it with the person that it actually needs to be addressed with. So that's been the biggest issue is, um, remembering things like that and just really working through things like that because there are so many times where you want to just say, are you really serious right now? And get upset and get, you know, in a very bad mood yourself. But you have to remember that person is going through something and you've committed to be there to support them whether it be a job you've committed to that job because you took the job or you've committed to them in a relationship or you're they're your family members and so therefore there's commitment there and it needs to be followed through until it becomes to a point where it's dangerous and it's not it's not okay for you to follow through Mm -hmm. then you need to get out Mm -hmm. that's my biggest thing is I stayed too long in a relationship I shouldn't have stayed in so it's knowing when it's time to leave right. and when it's time to end this 
end the relationship. Yeah. I mean, my own family, I don't have a relationship with my mother. My father did drink himself to death and wow. died years ago of alcohol poisoning. So um, you just, and but he wasn't in my life either. So you have to, even your own family, you have to realize that there is times where no matter what the relationship is to you, it's best to not have it. Yeah. And that is the hardest part that I think people struggle with is sometimes you've got to let the relationship go no matter what it costs you. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yep. Wow. That's really good advice. And I want to go, one thing that you told me is we're going to go back to your marriage real quick. You said, someone said to you, if you don't leave him, he's going to kill you. And that is true because of the violence. It was getting so bad that, um, you know, they said you're going to, you know, he's going to kill you one day. I mean, he's already tried in, in non meaningful ways. He wasn't trying to kill me when he was choking me. He was just really pissed at me for something. And luckily the kids weren't home. They were at an activity. So we were, they didn't witness that. Um, and they did witness when he hit me in the face though, they did witness that. And I thought to myself, the next time he does something, it's going to be in front of them again. And they're going to, I don't want them to see it. So that's another reason why I finally made the decision to leave because I was going to have to survive Mm -hmm. again. It was back into survival mode. And that's the only way to survive was to get away from that relationship. That's kind of what I was saying is you have to realize and open your eyes and realize that relationships, no matter what, are sometimes more dangerous to be in than to leave. Yeah. And sometimes leaving is your best option, no matter how hard it was. And let me tell you, it's hard. It was excruciatingly hard. I had to dig myself out of one heck of a hole to in order to leave him because after being with him for 17 years your entire life is intertwined and to unravel that with three children in the mix is not an easy task and it was an uphill battle for sure but it was still better for me to struggle that hard and to go through all of that than it was to stay with him because of the situation yeah So for sure, that's why I had to leave because there was a chance that he would kill me. Yeah. And I think about, so I've never, I was in a really bad relationship for nine years and, uh, he broke up with me and I'm really thankful for that because I wanted to break up with him multiple times, but like I was too afraid. I didn't know how I had no self-worth. I had no confidence. Like my identity was literally in us and in him. And just like what you were saying, like, it doesn't feel good to end that relationship with someone. And right now, like us talking about it, I mean, your life has been really difficult. And so I'm starting to get like sad. I'm starting to feel anxious. I'm starting to like just feel all these emotions because of everything we're talking about. But it's also like bringing me back to that time of when the relationship did end and just how crappy I felt yeah, and how I just wanted to die. Like I just wanted to crawl into a hole. I just wanted to die. I just wanted the feelings to go away. And that's such a normal thing for people to feel like just how you were saying it's, it's so hard to end it. Right. It's so hard for financial reasons. It could be hard for all those things. Like I didn't have any of those things with this person. We never lived together. We never shared anything. It was all emotion. And so, yes, you have to think of all the logistics for that, but just to feel that of a broken heart. It's like sometimes we'll do whatever it takes just so we don't have to feel that feeling. And sometimes doing whatever it takes meaning staying in that abusive relationship. Right. And it's like that's definitely the wrong decision to make. It is. And what you have to remember is those feelings and all of that is so painful, Mm -hmm. but it does go away. Yeah, it does get better. You do get through it. And you just have to keep up hope that, you know, one day you're going to wake up and you can tell your story without shedding a tear. Mm -hmm. You can tell your story without being angry. You can tell your story without having all of those feelings be so surfaced. They're always going to be there. And yes, I do feel the same talking about it right now, but like you do, like you were saying, it's bringing up things, but it doesn't bring it up to the point where I can't function or it hurts or anything like that. Right. So you can get through it. It's been eight years for me now. I'm in a much better relationship. I have an amazing guy who loves me very much. I mean, I'm very blessed and I never thought I'd have that again. Yeah. And so 
uh, even him and I have had to work on some things, but we have, and things are, you know, better than they've ever been. So it's been a learning curve, but it's been a great learning curve for my life, you Mm -hmm. know, in my life. Mm -hmm. And I still feel like I'm always playing catch up. Um, I'm always feeling like I'm still in survival mode, which I work on. Um, on a daily basis so that I remember that I'm in a stable environment and a stable, you know, I own my own home now. I own my own, you know, so I'm, I'm very stable and I'm very, um, in with, uh, my relationships with my friends, with my family, with my boyfriend. I have to remember that I have all the things now that I thought I had when I was staying with the you know, with my Mm ex-husband in in the bad relationship. So it's ironic that what you thought you had is not actually what you have. But in your eyes at that moment when you're in it, you don't see any other way. Yeah. So to fast forward to now and be in all the things that I thought I was in before is very satisfying, gratifying, and really does help the... um, psyche you know and your personality in and your and your inner soul to just be where you and look back and go oh yeah I was wasn't I and now I look at me now Mm -hmm. so that's where you know it's been really rewarding for me to be honest yeah yeah and I agree like uh it's been five years since that breakup which I can't even believe that and yeah, like I'm so much happier. It's insane how much happier right? I am. And yes, like I don't, I no longer look back on it and like cry or get these kind of feelings or emotions about it. No, but yeah, like I now wake up and I'm like, hey, like I actually really love my life. Like, yep, I have a good life. Yeah, yeah. So it does get better for anybody out there who's really struggling or have just had to go through a breakup. Like the pain is not always going to be there. It definitely feels like it. And there were definitely moments where I was like, am I ever going to laugh again? Yes. Like I've I've asked myself that question so many times over the last five years. And I probably will continue to ask myself that because we're going to continue to go through hard things. Right. Sure. But it's just incredible. Like I remember when I was still at the salon. And I was in just the esthetician room, just kind of like, I think I was hanging out by myself and I heard some people laughing. And at the moment I was so heartbroken and I just thought, am I ever going to be filled with joy? Like, am I ever going to smile again? Am I ever going to laugh again? And it's like, yeah, you will. And then you'll go back to a place where you probably feel like crap and your heart is broken again. And you're going to ask yourself that same question, but you're going to overcome. Don't worry. You know, so you do have to remind yourself of that. And that's the hardest part is self-talk and self-awareness. Oh, you yes. have to be self-aware and you have to self-talk through the times because they're not easy, but you will get through them. Mm-hmm. You That's my, you know, and then there's the whole time when my ex-husband um, took the kids and has had brainwashed them. Yes. Let, we can go into that now. So talk about that. Um, that was the hardest part of my life where I did attempt suicide yes. twice. Yes. Um, because of them, my children not being in my life and I thought it was over. Um, luckily I had an amazing friend who s- saved me. Yes. Do we want to get into the husband taking the children or do we want to get into the suicide? Well, it's kind of all in one. Okay. We just have to tell all the stories because these suicide stories, I know it's, it is a terrible thing, but it's also a miracle of what happened. It is a miracle yes. what happened. Yes. So, um, many years ago during, after the divorce, my husband, my ex-husband, um, convinced all the kids to go live with him and that they didn't need to be with me. And so I law, I went from having three children to no children in overnight And I was devastated and completely lost. And as much as I was not being a very good mom to them at the time, I didn't know that. I was very stressed and very anxious all the time and was dealing with what I now know is severe PTSD from Mm. the relationship and from my childhood and still being in survival mode and trying to take care of three kids and constantly warding off his, my ex-husband's um, passes of 
um, aggression with lawyers to obtain custody, which he ended up just bypassing them and getting all three kids to agree to go. Mm. So at that moment, you feel like your life is over all over again. You know, I'd gotten away from him, but now he had gotten the one thing that I was on this earth living for. Right. He had gotten a hold of them. So that was pretty painful. That was the most painful part of, of, I think, the whole thing. To be honest, it was way worse than the divorce. Um, I just decided that it was over. There was no reason to move on because the things I was living for were all gone. And I didn't think I would ever see them again. I didn't think they would ever, you know, have anything to do with me. I just... And I knew that my mom and I didn't have anything to do with each other. And it was going to be like that for me. And I wasn't going to exist on this earth without my children. Wow. So I did try to commit suicide. And I was caught in the act by my uh, very good friend. And he talked me down and talked me through it. And um, I... Do you want to go into more detail about that? I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, We'll just leave it at that. Okay. It was good. It was a good thing. He talked me off the ledge, and um, what it gave me was perspective to go and see them. He's like, you know what? Your your ex-husband doesn't control the airlines. You can get on a plane, and you can go see your children. Yeah. And I didn't. See, you need to hear that sometimes because in my mind, that wasn't a thought. Right. That all I was thinking is they'll never come back to me, so therefore it's over. Got it. That's the point that I think is more important in all of this is that I, my mind thought was wrong and there is always a way. There is always a way. So I did jump on a plane and I did get to go out there and see them and, um, spend time with them and then, one of them decided not to spend time with me and left with their dad. Okay. That was really painful that the next time I flew out there, two of them decided not to come anywhere near me. Okay. And only one came with me and that was painful. And then she left and wanted to go back to her dad's. And I was again in a situation where a gun was laying right there out in the open and nobody was home. And I grabbed it and was like, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to fly out here and and they're still not going to see me. Yeah. And in that moment, I got a phone call from that same exact friend who just knew that it was time to call me. I wow. hadn't heard from him in weeks, by the way. Um, but the, he, the same, I just want to clarify the same friend who stopped the first attempt also called her during the second attempt. Correct. Yes, he did. He just gave me goosebumps Oof, talking about it's it. It's incredible. He, knew he said to himself when he called me he goes for some reason I had it in my heart to I just had to pick up the phone right now and call you and I answered the phone and it was him and he said what are you doing I know something's not right he could just tell so um and he was right I was literally about to pick up a gun and go in the backyard and end my life for the second time this was my second attempt yeah and well, I already had the gun in my hand. It wasn't like it was a thought that I was going to do it. Was it was happening. It was going to happen in a moment. In a, in a moment, it was going to be over. And he called, and I saw his name on my phone, and I answered it. And I honestly answered it because I was going to say goodbye without him knowing I was saying goodbye. Right. But I answered the phone to say goodbye because he was such a good friend. So I answered the phone and he said, what's going on? Mm. I need to know right now because I can tell something's not right. Now I am 2,500 miles away from him. Wow. I'm not in the same state and he just knew something wasn't right. So he talked me off the ledge again for the second time and reminded me That just because they were with their dad didn't mean that they were going to be with their dad forever. And that I could still have a relationship with them. It was just timing. And they were still young. And I had a chance if I just held on. I just needed to hang on. And I said, 
oh my God, you're right. You know, I just need to hang on. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you no, cry. No, it's okay. It's just like, even though I know those words of like hanging on um, can be really powerful. But at the same time, like, I just know that it can also be like, well, what do you know? They might not come back. Right. You know, like, and that was well, what my I hang answer on for. You know That's what I mean? Right. So it's like, even though there is the hope and there is the possibility that they could get better, there's also the other side that it might not. Right. And it's, that was the side I was holding on to. Yeah. And what my friend was reminding me is that I needed to see the other side. Yeah. And I needed to see that there was a chance to hold on. And I needed to hold on. Yeah. And I put the gun down and I said, you're right. So I tried one more time and I at least got my youngest child back in my life. Um, she actually moved back here and moved back in with me. Yeah. So I did get one of my children and then fast forward and I got another one of my children back. So yeah. I currently have two of the three in my life full time and awesome. I couldn't be, you know, happier. I still have one that doesn't have anything to do with me and won't speak to me, yeah. which is extremely painful. But by me holding on and remembering that there is another side other than the hopelessness that yeah. I felt during the time that I was going to do it. Um, I do have two of my children in my life. So that's awesome. I, so happy to hear that. Right. You know? <laughs> right. So it was a lot, though. We had to go through a lot in order to get where we are. And we're still growing and we're still getting through it. But they're adults now. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And that's the part that you forget when they're children that they're not always going to be children. Mm -hmm. That they are going to grow up. They are going to make their own mind and their own thoughts and their own feelings. And I just needed to hold on for that. And at the time when all of that was going on, when I wanted to commit suicide, I've forgotten. And sometimes that's all it is, is that you've forgotten. And it takes somebody to remind you that there is hope and that there is going to be change because that is life. Mm -hmm. Life is change. Mm -hmm. And change can happen for the better, not necessarily for the worst. Yeah. And that's what you have to remember when you hold on to um, the feelings and the emotions and the, and all of it, when you, when you go through it and you have it, it's all there, but it's all for good. Sometimes you just have to see through and wait through the pain yeah. of the bad. Yeah. yeah. So that is pretty much my story. I mean, that was incredible and it's just so emotional, but I also like, thank you for sharing it. Thank you for being vulnerable. First of all, we really thank appreciate you. that. Cause I do think your story will help so many people. That's why I was so adamant. Like I need to get me on the podcast. Like the podcast is all about like sharing stories. So other, we can help other people in their right. lives. And I know right. that your story is going to be a, a huge one. Um, I also want to talk about like your life and recovery and what it looks like now, like the steps you've taken. If sure. you're comfortable taking absolutely. talking about that. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, that same friend that rescued me not yeah. once but twice yeah. has also said to me, hey, I am not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I can't help you with as much as you need. It's time for you to go out and get help. So I now see a psychiatrist mm -hmm. um, and I do see a counselor and my life is beautiful. They remind you to work through things, to talk about things, to change things that you can change and to not worry about the things that you can't change. Um, they've put me on some medication to help me through that. Um, but it's not forever. This is a, um, we were just rewiring my brain right. so that it will not always feel like it needs to be in survival mode, which I've come a long way. It's been three years now. So, um, my life now looks way different. I'm very much, like I said earlier, stable. I'm in a good place with a great relationship. Um, I have two of my children in my life full time. So that is, you know, and I'm holding out hope for the third one. Um, so, and I'm in a place where things are good. Things are okay. I made it through. And I just have to, rem on the bad, sure, I still have bad days. Of course. Still we have bad days. Do. We no all have perfect. bad days. Yes. Nobody's perfect. And you have to remember that during the bad days, they're going to get better. And you have to hold on. And that is what it has taught me, for sure. 
and I am so grateful, so grateful for my friend and for all the other people in my life that have really helped me see the light and the truth about it all um, and worked through it with me because I didn't do it alone. I, I cannot you can't tell you enough that nobody listening to this can do it alone. You right. have to seek help. And for me, it looked like a psychiatrist and a, and a, and a, and a counselor. To, you know, everybody's different. Find what works for you. That's my message. But find help. You cannot do it alone. And I didn't do it alone. I didn't get through any of this alone. I luckily had a tight-knit of friends and family that were supportive. And, of course, now I see professional help. Mm -hmm. And it has made a world of difference. And I'm happy and I smile. Like you said, I, I finally get to laugh again. And I finally get to, you know, do all the things that I thought my life was never going to have because my children were gone and during all those negative thoughts and all of those are gone now and I don't have to worry about that anymore and now I have hope and now I have I have everything that I never thought I would have let's just say that Mm -hmm. I definitely have what I never thought I could have so it is possible for anybody it really is if I can do it yeah anybody can get through it and do it yeah yeah that's so incredible. Wow. I honestly did not expect it to go this fast. I mean, yes, we've been recording for 46 minutes, but like that was awesome. I feel like we got everything in that we needed to say. And just like the way that I'm feeling too, I don't know if I could keep going. I just, am like, oh my gosh, you know I what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's heavy and it's a lot, but it is. it's also like so good that we talk about trauma and we talk about our suicide and the recovery and stuff because so many people don't talk about it. And then the, the part about you need to make sure that you're not doing this alone all of these things that we go through can isolate us and make us feel lonely. Absolutely. Because if we're not in the, if we're not of in the space or in the headset, or even I think sometimes the personality type to share our issues or our problems with others, like I feel like that can only lead to even more issues. So that's why I'm happy that you're willing to come on here again and to share your story. Cause I think it's going to help other people to not feel like, Oh, Hey, I'm going through something really similar. She's going through this too. Hey, I can, now I know that I'm not alone. Right now I know if she was able to overcome, maybe I can overcome too. And I think it just brings a lot of hope. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. You're welcome. Is there anything else that you want to add? I I feel like you've given a, my next question was going to be like, do you have advice for anybody going through the same thing? But I also feel like we've already intertwined that in so much into the conversation. I mean, I can just add that. Yes. Whatever you're going through, no matter how bad you think it is, it's not that bad at the moment. Everybody thinks it's the worst thing ever. And when you get through it and you look back, you realize it's not the worst thing. And if you just hold out hope and lean on the people that are there for you, you will get through it. It's no reason to end your life. It's no reason to feel so hopeless that you need to take drastic measures. Just reach out because there are so many avenues now of people and places that can help you just get the help no matter what form it looks like for you mm-hmm. yeah it's good that's good well thank you for being here thank you thank for being you for so brave me. and for sharing your story really appreciate it thank you so much you're welcome so there's something that I want to add in that I wish I could have recorded um that Nia had said after I pushed stop recording right of course like all of the goodness comes in when you're not recording but she has actually said this to me since like the first day I asked her to be on the pod she said wow I never ever thought that my story could help someone else and it's like yes your story could help someone else because there are so many people who are walking through exactly what you've walked through or who are walking through something so similar. And like, that's why I do this podcast, you guys know, is so I can share the good and the bad and the ugly of my life. And so other people can come on here and share the good, the bad and the ugly of their life with the hope that it's going to help at least one person. And so Nia has been so humble. um, She's been so great. And I just feel that we are very lucky for her to come on here and share her story. And it's a sad one. And it is a tearjerker. But 
you know, there is a happy ending and there is light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, at the end of the day, she wakes up every day and she still pushes on and she still has her struggles. But God bless that woman. I mean, she has gone through a lot. She has a lot of fight in her and she's very, very brave. So I'm so happy that she came on here and she just like graced us with her story because it truly is an incredible one. I'm kind of like stuck at the moment on a pl- in a place of I don't really know what I'm ranting and raving about. Uh, like everything in my life is good. Um, currently, like in the middle of musical season, so the season at dance just started in August, and I'm currently talking to you in August of 2023, and we're doing Junie B. Jones for the uh, Junie B. Jones Junior for the. Uh, one of the fall musicals and I have been asked by my friend to be the assistant choreographer and I'm just feel so lucky for that but that's going to be taking up a lot of my time and a lot of my brain power and a lot of my energy and um um yeah I've been like doing some traveling and uh I just got back from Las Vegas and that was so fun and yeah so I just like I don't have any rants and raves for you guys I'm so sorry but they will be coming back don't worry I'm sure there's some things that are going to piss me off that I'm going to want to rant about on the pod, okay? That's why I have this pod, so I can get all my rants and raves out. (laughs) Uh, Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so lucky to have you guys as an audience. Um, I see that my audience is expanding. I uh, recently just looked on the map, and I saw that I've had listeners in South America, so shout out to Colombia and Brazil. I'm just like, what the heck? How is this even possible? Like, people actually want to listen to what I'm saying, and I just think that's really incredible. So, thank you again. That is all I have for you on this episode of A Conversation with Jenna. But the conversation doesn't have to stop here. If you have thoughts and opinions on my thoughts and opinions, you can email me at a conversation with Jenna at gmail.com. I can't promise that I will respond to every email, but I would love to hear from you. Also, please rate and review my podcast on whatever platform you listen on. I would greatly appreciate it. Don't let the things you want make you forget the things you have. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to talk with you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.